Welcome, everyone, and thank you so very much for joining me on another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud. Boy, that is such a big word today, and it is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, we talk about all things cloud. No holds barred. Anything that has to do with cloud, we're going to talk about it with a bit of a slant towards cloud security. Now, you all know I'm no expert. I'm the Gilligan in this equation, but I know where to find them. And I'm so excited today because we get to have a chance to talk to someone that, you know, not only have I known for a few years, but the guy is just deep in the industry deep in security, deep in the cloud, uh, lots of stories to tell. And I know this is going to be a great episode. So I'm going to let Ran tell you all about his uh, storied background. And I'm really, really super excited. Now, one thing I'm going to just call that out right straight up, buddy. I am not going to try to say the name of the company you're with today because I know I'll butcher it. And I'm going to look forward to hearing you saying it properly so I don't say it incorrectly and misrepresent you. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm really thrilled today to have Mr. Ran Nahamas, who is the chief business officer and co-founder for the company that he's going to say. Ran, it's great you're here, man. Thank you so much. Ran, thank you. It's really nice to be back on stage with you and uh, talk a little bit. So how do you say the name? So the name is actually a funny story because you promised story. The, we call the company is called Cyberpion, and the pion is um, comes from chemistry, and it's part of the it's a, it's a, one of the uh, particles of the atom, chemistry, physics, and um, in many cases um, people think about the pion from the chessboard, especially now with the gambit. Um, TV series that everybody is looking at, uh, but we actually uh, Nathaniel, our founder, uh, what came from the physics and chemistry backgrounds, and that was his thought. Now that makes a lot more sense, and I actually thought it was a a play on champion or something like that. So thank you, that's pretty cool. So now you guys tell tell us what Cyberpion does. So Cyberpion is um, doing. Um, um, cybersecurity in what we call the ecosystem of enterprises. Um, it's also referred to by some under industry players as the attack surface. But unlike what I've done in the last 25 years, Cyberpion is looking from the outside in of, on the enterprise, the different connections that the enterprise has to resources, platforms, infrastructures, and third party providers analyzes the posture and, and um, context of those connections and looking for threats, misconfigurations, and other um, 
holes that may be conduit for uh, vulnerabilities and um, exploits. Hmm. Is it all cloud, any cloud? Are you an on-prem? Talk a little bit about how you get deployed, where you work. Yeah, so, you know, as you did in the preface, I don't think there's any enterprise that doesn't have cloud anymore. So yeah. that's no, I mean, that's no longer a question. The question is how much cloud and how many clouds do you have? Um, let me maybe start with a little example of what, what it is that we do, and then uh, I will I will point to what is on-prem and, and um, what is yeah, cloud. Yeah, that's good. That's good. As I'm actually thinking through, I'm thinking, okay, what you said is outside in for the enterprise for cloud. I'm interested in understanding more. So let's think about a bank that decides to put a, a banner on their homepage and the banner will display real share prices or stock prices from multiple markets, you know, the Chicago Commodities Market, New York Stock Exchange, and NASDAQ, for example. Okay. Um, someone from the marketing department is going to choose a vendor. Um, as we all live in the same world now, we know that the vendor choice is very often, if not always, driven by price. And the marketing person will, will choose someone who is on the lower range of the prices, hopefully reputable and that is being used by other banks that the that the marketing person knows. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about it, that vendor is actually consolidating data from three different stock markets. Those stock markets don't really push the data themselves. They have another vendor that they took on their end to push the data out to other places. Um, the vendor that is doing the consolidation is also sophisticated, so he's doing some tracking on where you are logging from and is likely to give you the nearest market to you. Um, there is also the, the, how it looks, so they're doing some, um, they're taking all of the fonts and unifying them into a single font that they pull from a font bucket on AWS or Azure. Um, and what you experience as a consumer is something that runs on, on the website of your bank. Uh, when we analyze this ecosystem that makes this possible, that specific little thing, um, we're looking at anywhere between 12 to 28 providers in, in a common configuration today in the marketplace. When, and when you say, I, I don't mean to interrupt, Rand, when you say providers, you're talking about other uh, people in that supply chain, that digital supply chain on providing that information to me where I am? Yes. Got it. Yes. And again, those could be those some of them will be the ones who do the the formatting of the fonts to look the same. There will be something that is identifying where you are. So if you think about the same bank in a region like APAC where those three stock markets may be three different countries that are in proximity, then based on the country you log in from someone identifies that and feeds that local country, that local market to you. You can also make choices in your bank and say, hey, Mr. Bank, always show me only NASDAQ because that's the only market that I'm interested in. And all of those configurations and, and consolidations are done by multiple tools across that supply chain, that, that online supply chain, which we refer to as an ecosystem because in, in, in practice, what happens is it's, it's an ecosystem that serves you and others in very similar fashion. We have one of the largest banks in the US um, as a customer, and this is based on a true story that happened there. 
we examine. So we we have sensors all over the internet, and we're looking at those connections, how they react, how they respond to each other, and where else they are connected to. We found that three degrees away from our customer, there was a server that was serving fonts, and that server also had a permanent connection to a CMC, command and control, which is a hacking um, practice, server in the Eastern Bloc. Hmm. Now, why would a font server have that kind of connection? I will let each one of you use their imagination, but nothing good can come out of that. <laughs> I think that we can all agree on. Right. Um, our bank found that there was actually an exploit being built by pieces of code that were injected along with the fonts mm. all the way upstream to their website. Mm. Now, the, 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 the exploit, had it matured or completely built itself, would have captured logging information of both employees and customers mm. going from the web, from the main page to their to the respective areas. Uh, that you know, and, and the interesting thing is that most of the security people that we partner with within our customers find themselves in a bit of a dilemma because what we find is vulnerabilities, exploits, and risks stemming out of third-party vendors. So as a security person, you can't just go and fix it. You have to figure out how to fix it, who's the vendor, and what it is you want to do about it. This, and, and it actually raises some very interesting questions because, you know, the, we, there was a debate on whether or not the font provider was part of the scheme or was he taken over by, mm. by hackers and exploited, right? right. You, you never really know from a distance because this is not anyone you ever did business with. Um, so all of this creates, uh, it, it's a very fascinating area, you know, in 20 something years in security, I've never thought about the ecosystem as a, as a ground play for hackers. Mm. And it, it provides a very challenging paradigm for the security people that we're working with in how to respond to those threats. That's extraordinary. What I think of, and you, I'm sure recall, <laughs> this is uh, popular a few years ago where it seemed like as the advertising infrastructure grew, you started to have a much, much larger ecosystem and various, you know, this food chain from big animals all the way down to little small ones in little markets. And so similar to what you're talking about, it's this hyper-connected ecosystem of agencies and networks that are all sharing and passing on and sharing. And obviously, if I'm sending and receiving packets with you, something's open, right? And there was a, 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 a lot of exploits that were taking place within these uh, smaller uh, advertising networks, largely unbeknownst to the operators because they were just unaware that they'd been taken over. Uh, and but that's the world we live in today, isn't it? That hyper connected digital supply chain. Who's really looking at it? That's what it sounds like. You guys are really looking at. We are, and that in, you know all of this eco, all of this um, <clears throat> connected um, ecosystem also grew exponentially over the last year with the sudden move to change the way business is being done. Yeah. So th if you think about it, banks that used to make you come in and sign paperwork and show your, your driver's license and a second form of ID 
are now actually doing all of this online with vendors that they hired. I mean, they didn't have months to plan and develop their own capabilities. So a lot of what we do today uh, is actually based on um, on a hybrid of multiple third parties in an effort to, to allow and replace in-person interactions across many industries. Yeah. Um, and, and, and building it so quickly from both sides, from the provider side and from the customer side, created an environment that is never super tight, well-planned and, and secure 100%. And the governance of it is somewhat um, elusive. I mean, who, who is responsible for what part of it is an answer that is a question that doesn't have a real answer right now in most organizations. Scarecrow answer, right? Which way did he go? And, and he points both directions. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's uh, it's extraordinary. I think, you know, I was talking with a, a, a good friend of mine, colleague, who is now got a startup, uh, but he was talking with uh, one of his customers and it was a CISO uh, who uh, really summed up, I thought, uh, what the problem is in the cloud in just a couple of simple words. And it was, you know, speed equals risk, right? The, the, the faster you can, it is directly proportionate to... The increased risk as uh, compared to not going fast, right? I mean, speed, and, and it's what we all love about the cloud, right? That it, it, it is so fast, so agile, so capable. But it's also, as you just so accurately put it, especially in this digital transformation that's been forced, people are sloppy when they have to go fast, right? I mean, you know, sloppy is one word. I think that a lot of people are being tasked with to do things that they haven't prepared for, that they don't have enough knowledge of. Sure, and that's you know, I I apologize to anybody if sloppy was a, a you know a derogatory term, but um, it it's easy to make mistakes as you increase speed. Yes, that's that's definitely true. Behind that, I can stand. Yeah, 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 and I, that's that's a a good point because I think there are people that are really good, but you know they're being forced to move faster, right? Yeah, yeah, and the reality is that we're going; to, it's going to continue that way, right? I mean, I don't think it's going to slow down. I think that cloud adoption uh, that was forced on any organization forced them to not only rethink their approach to cloud, but also identify the benefits and the ease of use, and how do you do it now in, in distributed uh, workforces, the cloud is becoming you know, even a bigger advantage than it was before that. Yeah. Um, because you, know, you don't have to be people who can walk into a data center at any given moment, sitting in the office, and can, and can handle emergencies, whereas in the cloud, it's, um, you know, I want to call it almost self-healing situation when one server goes craps out, yep. it's a virtual one, and you can bring a replacement up and running in in, in minutes. Yep, or and even so, seconds, right? Yeah. 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 And so that, that, you know, this is here to stay. And so ecosystem security is a new vector of attack. 
Yeah. And and it's amazing how many attacks we we track a lot of hacking campaigns. A lot of the engagement we have with customers is when we have a customer that we're seeing getting um, getting affected by by a hacking campaign, and then we continue to track the hacking campaign. And as it leaves its footsteps on different environments of other um, enterprises. Today we captured what's visible from ha- from tracking that um, campaign, mm. and actually reach out to those organizations and say, "Hey, we're tracking a campaign. Here's a uh, an ethical disclosure of a couple of findings, and we're happy to help you explore deeper into your um, ecosystem." But you know, we become it's sort of we are now the good Samaritans in many cases, where we reach out to a CISO and say, "Hey, here are some findings that you need to address." But we're happy to help you find more. Many of them, this is their first um, introduction to the ecosystem as a um, as a security vector that they need to start paying attention to. Right, right, or or maybe even didn't know that they were as hyper connected as they are. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that is very is amazing to us, um, and I'll use an example of a customer earlier this week. We did a discovery. The first thing we do is a discovery. And as we were running the discovery, we came up with just over 20,000 assets belonging to this customer. The customer is a, is a global banking conglomerate with many acquisitions and mergers. So, you know, this has to be taken into account. But of the 20 odd thousand assets we found, the bank governance in the security team was tracking almost 11,000. 9,000 of those assets were not under governance at the bank when we finished the initial scan. Wow. Which was stunning to them as much as it was for us. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, I got to mention something. You were talking earlier about how there's, you know, everything has changed. You know, banks would want you to come in to sign things, and now that's the last thing they want. It's all under the guise of security, right, in your protection. And I thought it was funny because I was on a plane, and, you know, I think she said, we're not going to demonstrate how to use the oxygen mask or the uh, life vest for your protection. (laughs) And I just kind (laughs) of chuckled to myself because... It's for our protection now. They're not going to show us. <laughs> yeah. I envy you for being on planes. So <laughs> how long have you been around? Uh, obviously, raising money. You're going out there getting customers. You've got a product. Is it a SaaS product? Is it a uh, – what, what, what is it? So the, the company has been around for four years, and two years ago there was the pivot into the ecosystem security from something else the company did before that. Um, and it is a SaaS offering that um, that can be procured directly from us or through the AWS or Azure marketplaces. Brilliant. <clears throat> and um, we, we are we're going fast. We just did a big round of funding, uh, you know, a few months, a very few months ago of uh, just north of $8 million. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Um, That's always good to have dough. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we're getting some more from customers. So we're over 20 paying customers worldwide. We're sitting in the Fortune 
100 with a couple of with a few customers a couple in the us a couple of them in the us and then the global uh, 100 we have a few more outside of the us brilliant and we're go- growing uh, rather quickly uh, it's challenging times to grow new products i think that the attention span of the audiences within prospects is very limited to seeing new things um, but again being being starting our interactions with um, with, with a uh, responsible disclosure is actually helping you know helping us gain 15 or 30 minutes of someone's time to make a, an initial impression which is very helpful in what we do yeah no I and actually I think that's brilliant I think um... I think of turning my binoculars around and having a different perspective, right? We tend to always want to, everybody's focusing in, 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 and for uh, you to kind of turn that turret around and, and look at the world differently, I could see how that really offers an enlightening perspective for your clients. Are you target, is, are the people you're talking with generally the, the, the team that's managing and maintaining security of the cloud, I suspect that'd be where it is. So, our, you know, our product goes through <clears throat> multiple vectors of attacks. Uh, some of them are being um, um, PKI, DNS, and cloud. And so while the budget for the procurement is all, uh, almost always comes from security, it really depends on who started the interaction with us and what pillar it was the leading pillar in the sales uh, process. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, funny enough, you know, our biggest customer is using us mostly for the discovery. I mean, they just love our ability to discover more and more of their assets um, as we go. Um, there's also the, you know, some organizations are large enough or planned in a way that they have um, supply chain risk management teams within the security team. Right. And those are usually the optimal teams for us because they can can oversee all of the four pillars that we provide value through. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because that's really what we're talking about, right? It's the digital supply chain. Uh, you know, you can't. You can't track that on a highway or a freeway somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And again, supply chain is very specific. The ecosystem, supply chain is things that, you know, we, we find that when people when we say supply chain, we said initially supply chain, people think about the five vendors that go to them, which is one degree away. Mm-hmm. The unique thing that we do and no one else in the marketplace does today is the ability to go two, three, and to the nth degree of connections that are the ecosystem that is feeding into your supply chain and then into your organization. So what you're saying is, so I understand it, is I may have agreements with 10 different digital suppliers and and uh, they're in place, but I don't know what agreements they may have with someone else digitally to acquire or share information are you saying your product does look at that level yeah we go through the connections of those suppliers to others understand which of those others actually play a role into what feeds into you and rate the risk of that based on all of the potential hops along the way and the bigger it is the riskier it gets just by definition Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, I mean, if you go, do you have any idea? And I, I'm sorry to take you on a guessing game. When you go to, um, when you go to um, the webpage of the Wall Street Journal, you know, www.wsj.com. Yeah. How many, how many, how many things do you think are connected to that page? How many, uh, how many pro- providers today, are part of this? Oh, I, yeah, no, I, I, I. I know exactly where you're going, but it's got to be it's got to be in the hundreds at least, and if not uh, quite a bit more, right? Of all the because ag- they're aggregating all of these different sources that are coming from somewhere else, right? So we're looking at one web page. There's 160 connected um, um, networks into it. 711 assets that have connect connect direct connection into what you're viewing. And those go between advertising, content, tag management, analytics, marketing, yep. developer utilities, social media, um, text, JSON, HTML, JavaScript, I mean, XML, video, fonts, yeah. and, and binary codes. I it's amazing. I got to tell you, Rand, never did I think there was an organization that would unify fonts, <laughs> you know, like you were talking about earlier. I mean, that's just, it, that's extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, think every reporter or every feed has a favorite font, but you want to display a unified one. You don't want the stock market from New York Stock Exchange coming aerial. Yeah. And, um, and, and what comes from NASDAQ coming in the David font, right? I mean, you want them all to look the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's something. Boy, it was never a problem when you just selected the Courier 10 wheel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's not that's nobody's doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I had to I said it that way because I knew most of my guests would not chuckle like I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is exciting. So you mentioned your uh, marketplace. Are you also uh, going through partners? Is is it a, a channel play as well? There is a channel play. We're putting the. Uh, the wagon ahead of the horses. We're going to announce our uh, we're going to announce our Charlie program in the next week or so. Oh. And we already have uh, uh, select part, um, channels and resellers um, in North America and Europe. I am so I'm honored to think that this disclosure is coming on Talking Cloud. I'm going to have to hurry and get this out on the wire for the world to hear it here. Great, great. Yeah, that no, that's nice. that's really terrific. And you've already got partners. I mean, do you find, look, you've been around for a long time, Ren. We've known each other for more than 20 years. <laughs> it, it seems like there is a, a growing, uh, what I don't want to use, maybe chasm or gap between the channel and the people that really are, are cloud first, cloud native, cloud centric. And those that are still dragging along all the other stuff and trying to be cloud, are you? Are, do you see that, or are you seeing it getting more blended today? Um, I think that um, you know. The, the, I think that the reality is that many of the channels are still in the age of pushing boxes mm-hmm. um, and have not necessarily um, started their own transformation from a technology. Um, perspective the also there's a there's a good question to be asked is what is the role 
of the channel in the cloud where most of it is done online. Mm. Um, and how, what is the, um, what will the channel do when customers go, you know, 50, 60, 80, and 100% into the cloud and do not have even way to put those boxes anymore? Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's such a good. Point. And what's the role? I think that channels, the channels that we see that have actually did a good transformation and hold both ends of that, are channels that understand that they need to go to what where me and you were much younger used to be vols, and focus on the value add that they bring to the customer versus the transactional um, process. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I think that customers. Uh, in many cases, people are getting tasked with doing things that are out of what they know how to do. And this is where the channel can bring value if they're doing the, the value add process and bringing expertise and, and, and capabilities that the customer does not have in-house. Yep. Uh, you know, one of the, because what we do is so new, channels get most of the revenue in our deals by doing services after the sale and not just on the sale itself. Because, you know, we go to a customer, we come up with 2,000 items, action items that needs to be addressed. Um, and the customer, you know, many people just go like, how do we even deal with 2,000 things? Yeah. And the good channels saying, oh, we can help you manage this and prioritize and do sort of a project management along it so you are prepared and, and know how we're going from here to there within the next six months. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and those, are the, those are the channels that we work with and actually are very successful both for us and for their own business. I think you're spot on uh, in terms of, it's almost like it's cyclical, like so often we do see, you know, in the sense that, I mean, we ha used to be highly consolidated, the data center mainframe, then it got distributed, then it went back, we're kind of arguably back more to that highly consolidated now in the cloud. But, you know, we've also seen uh, uh, some cycles in the channel where before the box stores and, and, and the bifurcation took place, there were dealers. And then the bifurcation took place and there were uh, stack them high, watch them fly. And as you put it, VARs, right? The non-storefronts. And it seemed like there was this acute awareness of value-added services, value-add. And it's almost like we've fallen back in and maybe it's because there's such a great consumption right there's a large appetite for technology that they fall back into that transactional but now the shift in technology i mean isn't isn't the marketplace itself the cloud itself a fantastic channel you know their value has to come somewhere else right yeah yeah, and while the cloud providers leave room for the channels in the pricing model by the way they really look to the channels to do more than just the transaction, but help the customer in the transformation, help the help the resources within the customer to understand the priorities, to do proper planning, because the success of the transformation is the ground success of the cloud providers. Right. If customers go and botch up their environments or their or their day-to-day -day operation, Yep. The cloud will have a bad reputation. So the cloud providers in in a in almost in a weird way are really concerned with the quality of the channel and the advice and the guidance 
and the expertise they bring to the table for their customers so the customers have a good positive experience and continue to tra- to transition to the cloud faster and, and bigger. Yeah, that's interesting. There really is an enormous opportunity because of the the forced uh, transformation, the speed at which it has occurred and continues to occur. We talked about the the challenge with speed, there is a big opportunity because they think the cloud is real simple and easy, but there's a lot of nuances and differences. And I always say it doesn't take long when you start scratching on the paint to get down to technical metal in the cloud, right? It's a pretty vast technical environment that I would suggest most enterprises aren't equipped to fully take advantage of. What do you think? I agree. You know, think about it. It's like moving. It's like taking a driver who's been driving a Chevy all of his life and putting him in a space shuttle and telling him to run the dashboard and and take off. (laughs) I laugh because, you know, I was thinking you might say Tesla, but that's actually more accurate, you know, because that is truly what it's like. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of, I mean, there's also some blame to be put on the manufacturers that those channels are working with today. Some of the manufacturers still hold on to their past yep. and have not leaped forward. And so they don't push their channels to, to I mean, they keep pushing on the channels to maintain the, what's becoming slow, slowly becoming a legacy business yep. of appliances instead of leaping forward because they haven't done that. Yeah. And so it's created weird in, in, in dynamics within because, you know, we, we see in different industries how one vendor is really either brand new to the industry. I mean, if you think about the antivirus industry, CrowdStrike is a cloud-born company, and they're competing with McAfee and Norton, who've been on-prem for all of their existence and genetics and mechanisms and everything. Yeah. And it's almost an unfair fight, right? I mean, how can, I mean, it's a fight that is happening, but the, the, the success of CrowdStrike in that example is that they've, they've come from the cloud and they understand that the cloud is where people go. Yep. And so when people make the transition and the McAfee or the Norton or the Trend Micro are somewhat behind on the cloud and there's this new hype CrowdStrike in the cloud, they just, I mean, they just go to CrowdStrike. They don't try to drag the other ones forcefully yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it creates a very interesting dynamics in, in the market and the, and the antivirus or the endpoint security is not that. I think it goes across many of the cybersecurity technologies where there's, you know, um, resellers are used to the bigger profits in pushing a box. The vendors are used to the bigger profits of pushing a box. And where you go to software only, the value, the scale is likely to grow exponentially. But, the you know, it's baby steps. And you say, do I sell a box for $500,000 or do I go chase a deal of $25,000 in the cloud? Yeah. For someone who's living on commission, you know, the answer is clear. Yep. And as long as the vendors are are not changing that from their end, the many of the partners will stay in this illusion that they can continue and pushing boxes. But the soon there will be nowhere to put those boxes on the customer side. Yeah, I I totally agree. False reality. I mean, oh, when I was at Blue Coat several years ago, 
you know, we had an enormous opportunity to replace a bunch of on-premise proxies uh, with virtual proxies. Uh, and this was at a very large cloud provider. And this was at a time when we had available virtual images that we sold licks for, right? Because that's the way you did it and had done it forever. But this particular vendor was quite adamant. I need to be able to consume that virtual technology in my marketplace. And we didn't have it. Now, it wasn't because we didn't have the product, the technology. We had a nasty conundrum with the dollars and cents part that we hadn't figured out. And so I, I completely agree. I think this is a real challenge for the, the industry overall that's been living in a fixed, tangible, asset-based world and moving to the virtual. Uh, it, it, it's creating some consternation for some, no doubt. It yeah. reminds me of, uh, you've read the book by Christensen, right? Innovator's Dilemma. Yeah. There's some similarities, right? This company that forever has looked at building a, a, an installable app that you distribute in laptops, a la antivirus, right? And then all of a sudden the world changed right from underneath their feet. And that's not, like you said, that's not just antivirus, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it goes across the board. It sure does. And I, I think you can expect to see more and more. I mean, I've, I've often proposed we're entering a, a perfect storm where everything can be reconsidered. And what I mean is we're now ubiquitously connected with a supercomputer with an unbelievable amount of compute and bandwidth, right, all the time. My phone is a supercomputer, 5G, I mean, all the time. Now, I really think everything can be reconsidered. Where's the compute occur? Where's it get stored? How does it get stored? You know, I talked with somebody about creating a program that is crowdsourcing storage and using bandwidth. It saves it everywhere by just sending out a bit here and a bit there, just as an algorithm and a means by which you obfuscate and, and create security around the data. But I think, you know, there's some really interesting things that are going to be coming out in the next few years. I think we are going through another tech technology revolution when it comes to cloud compute and what the devices we'll be using are going to look like. Yeah. I saw just the other day a, a good friend of mine who was on one of my earlier podcasts, Evan Kerstel, he posts uh, the world's smallest camera, 200 by 200 pixel camera, and ran. It, was, it looked like a piece of broken lead off of your number two pencil. <laughs> it was it was remarkable. And also maybe a little frightening, right? So <laughs> wonder where that thing's gonna be. I think you should assume everywhere. Yeah, right? It's yep. so true. So you've said four pillars multiple times. Why don't you explain those? Um, yeah, so the, the pillars that we're looking at is web. So all of the connections that your 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 web-facing infrastructure has to others. And, you know, when we say connections, think about links, right? I mean, I, I embed a hyperlink that goes to another place, and nobody ever checks if that link is continuing to be valid, 
And we've seen a lot of cases where... 404 errors or what, what you, you know, the errors not are found? The good, are the good, um, are the good outcome, I think. Some of those, when a hacker realizes that opportunity, mm. they buy that link address. You know, it was a web address that used to be someone's and is no longer theirs. And they build a fake site mm. where you encourage to do things. And since, you know, you went to the bank and you click a link and it takes you to another page that looks like the bank, you might not you might be off guard in when they ask you to put your credentials in. Mm. Um, so th this is a simple this is a very simple example of a web connection that is broken and can be exploited into something unpleasant. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the web. All of the web connections are one one facet of what we're looking at. The cloud, all of your connections are in the cloud, not from a cloud governance perspective, but what is it that you consume from other cloud um, ecosystem resources? Again, the font, uh, the S3 bucket of fonts is a good example where it may belong to Adobe or it may be it may be pretending to belong to Adobe, but this is a cloud connection that you have that again is not being monitored by any current security tools. Mm. Um, DNS, so there's a lot of DNS um, things that can go wrong in how they point someone, you know, you go from one place to another and the, and the IP address and the web um, address that uh, a consumer or a link puts in is getting resolved with the DNS server. And there's a lot of areas and opportunities to change that, especially in, um, in cloud environments where the DNS is a dynamic resource that right. goes up and down and changes along with your regions and how you deploy in the cloud and so forth. So we're validating and tracking all of the DNS and PKI certificates, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of abuse of, of certificates and there's a lot of negligence. I mean, very often we see again a font server that seems legitimate, but when we look into the PKI certificate, we see that it expired in 2008. Mm. And we ask yourself, is this really a managed asset of a reputable company? In many cases, the answer is no. Yeah. Now we're taking those four those four facets, if you will. And then we are putting them all together into our into our AI brain, and we overlay things such that two pieces of the four may create a prism that shows you a, a risk or a vulnerability that you ha would have not seen by looking at each one of those separately. Mm -hmm. This is our secret sauce, mm. and we're adding you know we're adding more pillars like this, and so. Um, so do you help me uh, ensure that I'm rotating my keys on a, a regular interval uh, as opposed to what so often doesn't occur? Uh, we can tell you, I mean, we help you identify when keys are what we call stagnant. Right. Uh, we don't we don't do the key management. We don't, but we encourage you to do. And if you do the integration with your SOC or your SIM or your ticketing system that we support, yeah. This will create a ticket that says here and there needs to be action one, two, three needs to occur. Yeah, sometimes that's all it is, is it's that, you know, nudge, right? Yeah.
Ren, this has been awesome. I've really enjoyed learning and understanding not only how to properly pronounce uh, Cyberpion, but to really understand what's behind the name. I thought that was really interesting, but I really think it's very cool what you guys are doing. You know, it's not the traditional posture management and the whole infra play. I, I love the inside out uh, kind of uh, approach you guys are taking. Very, very innovative. So I really appreciate you taking time and telling us all about it. Oh, thank you very much, Greg. It was really nice to chat with you again. It's been too long and we should do it more often. Yes, please. I Hopefully we'll get through all this soon and and while I don't ever expect that we're going to go 100% back to how we used to be, I am looking forward to sitting down with friends like you and having a beer. So I'm looking forward to getting a chance to do that with you, Ran. I would love that. So thank you again very much. Ladies and gentlemen, another one in the books. And I don't know about you, but I feel like uh, I don't think it's me. I think it's my guests. We just keep getting better. This has been terrific. I really appreciate you tuning in and listening. And if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends, share it. We want to get as many people talking cloud as we possibly can. So thank you all very, very much. We'll look forward to seeing you back here again on the next episode of Talking Cloud. Talking Cloud.